Hello, this is Frank Bell again with what is the second of what looks like is going to be a series of four podcasts on setting up a WordPress blog. The first one was on installation. This one will be about basic navigation of the administrative interface and certain important items within that interface. The third one will be about appearance and themes, and the fourth one about maintenance. Originally, this was going to be the one about appearance, but as I tried to lay that out, I realized that a number of the things I needed to talk about in reference to configuring the appearance needed to have the groundwork laid as regards how you navigate WordPress and what some of the terms and features are. I'm going to approach this from the standpoint of someone who has full administrative access to the administrative interface. WordPress does have the capability of configuring various levels of administrative rights. I'll mention those in more detail a little later. But for anyone who's setting up a personal blog, which I would expect that the great majority of the folks who might listen to this would be doing, they're likely to have the full run of the house, as it were. For someone who's never seen the backside of a WordPress blog, I've uploaded some screenshots of four or five of the representative pages of the administrative side. You can download those from my website. The link is www.pineviewfarm.net forward slash misc mike india sierra charlie forward slash capital w capital p hyphen screens as in screenshot screens with an s dot zip you i do not have ftp access available for visitors but if you put that link into your browser and head in that direction the file save as dialog should appear when you're first logged into WordPress, you will be looking at what WordPress calls the dashboard. On the right-hand column is WordPress News. There are links there to the WordPress Development Blog and to the WordPress Planet Blog. The links, by the way, will be in the show notes. Any link, link that I mention, I will try to remember to put in the show notes. Those are configurable. If you hover your mouse over the title bar, a configure item will appear, and you can click on that to configure how many posts are displayed at a time. You can even change the RSS feeds if you wish. In the center at the top, there's a display of your current status. That displays on the left-hand side the number of posts you have, the number of pages, the number of categories, and the number of tags. On the right-hand side of the status display are the total number of comments, the number of approved comments, the number of comments awaiting moderation, also called pending comments, and the number of comments tagged as spam. You can click on any one of these items and it will take you to the appropriate place in the interface. If you click on the post item, it will take you to the list of posts. If you click on the spam comments item, it will take you to the list of spam comments. And from there, you can manipulate the item in question, edit, delete, or what have you. Underneath 
the status display, there is a display of the most recent comments. And underneath that, a display of the most recent incoming links from other blogs or websites. On the left is the menu itself. I am going to list all the different items on the menu, but I'm not going to go into detailed discussion of every item and every submenu item, let alone every setting. I figure that if you can get WordPress installed and then you go to the setting for reading and you see an item that says display X number of posts per page, you can figure out that if you put 10 in there, 10 posts will display, and if you put 15 in there, 15 posts will display. So you know, I'm not going to try to beat people to death with trivia. The top menu item is the link to the dashboard itself, and it has three sub-menu items, Home, Updates, and Akismet Stats. I'll talk quite a bit about Akismet later on in this podcast. The Updates item will take you to see the list of any updates that WordPress has published. I'll discuss that in the Maintenance Podcast. And the Home section is the display that I just described to you. Next is the list of posts, and sub-menu items include All Posts, Add a New Post, post categories and post tags then media and this gives you two items add new and look at the library the add new will open up the wordpress uploader which you can use to upload pictures or podcast or anything you want to upload in the way of a binary file or even a pdf or a text file for that matter once it's uploaded a dialog displays which shows the link to where it's stored. And in the case of a picture, for example, gives you a choice of the size to display it at, whether you want a thumbnail view or not, for entering the alternate text for someone who might be visually impaired and trying to read your site with a screen reader. It's very, very useful. Oh, and it can also will give you a choice as to whether you want it aligned to the left, aligned to the right, or centered. A very handy little tool, which I think was introduced sometime in the early stages of WordPress version 2. The library item under Media gives you a chance to view the items that you have uploaded with the WordPress Media Uploader, including thumbnails of pictures. If you want to go back and find an old picture that you want to use again, this would be a fairly handy way of doing it. Because... With the default configuration, WordPress starts a new, shall we call it, gallery within the library for every month. So if you're trying to wade through these links using an FTP client, you've got a lot of waiting to do to find this stuff. Next comes a links category where you can add links for other blogs, news sites, Linux distributions, whatever you want to provide links to for your visitors to be able to click on and visit. And under there, you can look at all your links. There's a dialog for adding new links and a dialog for creating link categories. I'll talk a bit about categories later on. The next item is the Pages menu, which gives you the choice to view your existing pages or to create new ones. I'll talk more about pages later. Then there's the comments item. There's no sub-menu for the comments. There's a list of the comments, and at the top of the list, uh, you can sort by all comments, 
comments awaiting moderation, spam comments, much like you can from the dashboard. Next is the appearance item, and that includes submenus for themes, which regulate the appearance of your blog. You might consider a theme akin to what in some types of software referred to as skin. The theme determines the placement and size of sidebars, head or footer, and the main content window, and other items that are viewable to the public. Widgets, menus for building custom menus and displaying them, and an editor, which you can use to directly edit the PHP and CSS files of the theme that you have selected. I'll talk quite a bit about the appearance item and how to use it in the next presentation on appearance. Below that is plugins, followed by users, where you can add users. In WordPress parlance, a user is anyone who has a WordPress login and password to your site. The users may be administrators, they may be editors, an editor being someone who can write and publish his or her own post and can edit other person's posts. Authors who can write and publish their own post but cannot edit other person's post. Contributors who can write posts but cannot publish them. I once had a contributor for a short while before we sort of drifted apart and the reason I made him a contributor was he couldn't spell at all. Some people can spell, some people can't. He was one of the can't. So anything he wrote, I wanted to check for spelling before taking it public. And he was quite happy with this arrangement because he knew he couldn't spell. He was a great thinker, a wonderful logician, but spelling just was not his thing. The next to the last item on the default menu is tools. And frankly, I've never done much in here. There's a little tool that they say is for clipping bits of stuff from the web. I've never seen fit to try it. There are import tools for importing content. If you're moving your database from, say, a, a Tumblr-type blog, you can use this, and it claims it will import a Tumblr database. I've used WordPress the whole time I've been blogging, so I've never had any reason to look into this. And there's an export button, which says that you can use that to export your content. I tried that once quite a while ago when it was still new, and I, it didn't work for me. And I never bothered to troubleshoot it. I was already regularly exporting my content using PHP MyAdmin. That works nice and smoothly, and I'm quite happy to just continue with that and not try to troubleshoot this thing. Anyone, by the way, who might have a hint about why it didn't work for me, if you're happening to listen to this, drop me an email. I'll include my address at the end. And finally, there are the settings items on the menu. And the settings are the general settings. And I mentioned what I thought were the important one of those in my previous WordPress podcast. Settings on writing post. Settings on reading post. And this is where you find the one I mentioned earlier about how many posts should display on the front page. There's another one in there I'll just mention, and that's to set a static front page. 
You seldom see this used with someone who's doing a personal blog, but quite often see it, say, with a, an organization or a company that's using WordPress. They'll set a static front page with contact information, more like a traditional website than a blog, and have the blog portions elsewhere. There are settings for discussion, and that refers to how the blog is going to respond to comments that people might make. Media, I, I've never even configured anything in there, but the, on, the only thing I noticed when I looked at it that looked like it might be of interest is that's where you can set your path to where content uploaded using the WordPress media uploader would get stored. Privacy, which has to do with whether you wish to allow web crawlers from search engines to crawl your website or whether you wish to give them a no-follow request. That menu item does say that you cannot ban the spiders from your site if it's on the Internet, but you can request them not to crawl your site. Most of the bloggers I know are quite happy to have just about any search engine, any legitimate search engine, I guess, crawl their site because they're looking for visibility. And the last one in the default menu is permalinks. For instance, do you want your permalinks to your post to be referenced by an excerpt from the post name or by the post number, that sort of thing. Across the top of this whole display, when you're in the administrative interface, there is a very narrow menu bar on the far left-hand corner. It gives you the option to jump to see the public face of your blog. Next to that, there is an item that says New, where you can create a new user, a new post, a new page, a new link, or jump to the media uploader. When you're on the public face of the blog and you are logged in, that menu bar is still present. It does disappear if you log out. And then it changes slightly. The item that says new is still the same, but the item in the far left no longer says visit the public part of the site. It gives you links to the most used dashboard items, such as appearance widgets, dashboard, and so on. So that provides for quick navigation, uh, shall we say, from the living room to the kitchen. And w not just to the kitchen, but to the kitchen, to the particular kitchen drawer that you're trying to open. Generally, I found that the default settings are just fine. I mean, WordPress has been providing blog software for a long time, over the years, they've figured out what most people would consider usable. Many of the other items are items that you might configure once and then never touch again. I think when it comes to, say, the reading settings, I think I might have changed how many posts display on the front page twice in the almost seven years that I've been blogging mostly because I want the length of post to be longer than my sidebar. Sometimes, plugins might add their own menu items. A plugin is a little, is a program, sometimes little, sometimes not so little, that adds some functionality to the blog. I use one called StatPress, for example, which is a hit counter. 
it's fairly heavy for a plugin. It actually adds three or four tables to the database in order to store the information that it collects. It adds its own stat press menu item with several submenu items to the main menu bar. I use another plugin called My Local Weather, which displays the temperature and an icon, a bright sun or the sun with a cloud over it or a moon behind clouds to tell what the weather is in my locality. My local weather added a little item to the set settings menu for me to configure my location for it to get the weather information from Yahoo Weather. Speaking of plugins, that leads into the next topic that I wanted to talk about, which is plugins and widgets. As I said, a plugin is a program that adds some functionality of some sort. The functionality may be visible to the public, such as the my local weather plugin or it may be strictly behind the scenes such as the StatPress plugin. Initially when I first started using WordPress back in the version 1.5 days the only way to implement a plugin was to add PHP code to call that plugin to the appropriate file in the WordPress directory. These days many plugins can be manipulated with widgets. Widgets are not plugins. Widgets are something that WordPress came up with for manipulating the appearance of items that people wish to add to their sidebar or their footer. By default, there are several types of widgets included. There are widgets for pulling in RSS feeds, widgets for posting links, such as a blog roll or that list of Linux distribution sites. There are widgets for displaying archives in a monthly format and posts by category, which I'll get to in a moment. Many plugins these days are available as widgets. If they're meant to be visible to the public to affect what the public sees on the screen, the plugins in many cases can be implemented by downloading the widget our WordPress's word for it is widgetized plugin and manipulating the plugin after it's activated in the plugins page. You go to the plugins page, you activate the plugin, you go to the widget page, and then you stick the widget onto your sidebar or into your footer. Not all widgets are plugins, but some plugins are widgets. Another item I want to mention is pages and posts. Pages are static content. Posts are dynamic content. At the Hacker Public Radio site, the item that displays when you click on the contribute link on the front page, the item that explains how to contribute a podcast, in WordPress terms would be referred to as a page. Whereas the list of the podcasts, as they scroll from the top down the page, those are posts. Pages are useful for an about page, why you started, why you're blogging, maybe capsule biographies, posting guidelines, things of that nature that you want to have continually available for a visitor to consult. Even if no one ever consults it, you want it available. 
Post can be divided into categories. Pages cannot. Now this leads me to categories. Links and posts may be assigned to categories. Post categories and link categories are separate. They inhabit two different tables in the database. They are not interchangeable. I'll give you an example of the usage of post categories. One of my categories is recipes. If you go to my blog and scroll down the page till you get to the categories listing, one of the categories that displays is recipes. If you click on that, you'll see all the recipes that I have posted over the several years that I have posted recipes there. Here's an example of the usage for categories in links. I mentioned that there are links widgets. Now, I like to listen to old radio shows, especially old murder mysteries. Shows like The Shadow, Mystery is My Hobby, Casey Crime Photographer, Neuro Wolf, just to pick a few. I wanted to share these radio shows with people who visited my blog, not by streaming them or anything like that, but simply by letting people know where they could find them if they had similar interests. So I added a category to my links, which I called OTR, which in the loose confederation of old radio fans is what we call it, old-time radio. And I selected the five sites that I have had the best luck with for streaming or downloading old-time radio shows and put those into my links listing and put those sites into the OTR category. Then to display those links on my sidebar, I went to the widgets item, selected a links widget, gave it the title of old-time radio, and told it to display the OTR category. Then I moved it to the location where I wanted it on my sidebar, and bingo, there are the links sitting there for anyone who stumbles over my site, who likes old-time radio, and wants to see if they can find an old Jack Benny show, or George Burns, or an old murder mystery. As a footnote, to the best of anyone's knowledge, mine and of those persons who provide them on the internet, these old-time radio shows are in the public domain, most of them being 60 or more years old. The one other item I want to mention in terms of overall configuration is comment spam. Comment spam has been a problem with blogs for a long time. The most common motivation for comment spam is to increase somebody's Google juice by getting more links out there to be indexed and cataloged by search engines. I know that Ken, in some of his community news podcasts, has from time to time read some of the comment spam that HPR gets. A typical comment spam these days is something like, I find this site wonderful site. I really like the way you write. Keep up the good work and I will visit you frequently every day. Pretty readily identifiable. But when it comes in and batches of 20 and 30 and 40 and sometimes as many as 100 in a 24-hour period, you can't keep up with it one by one. 
and that's just me. I'm just a small fry in the backwaters of the interwebs, but they don't care. They just want to get out there where Google or some other search engine can see them. WordPress includes a plugin called Akismet. Akismet traps comment spam. It works very, very well. I recommend strongly turning that on and using it. You have to get a validation key from the Akismet people to use it. Once you've got that key, your plugin has access to the Akismet database of comment spam, which is continually updated. For some reason, just the, the past few weeks, the amount of comment spam has increased significantly to my site, and I will am confident no more than three or four slipped through Akismet's net. And a couple of those got caught in the moderation queue, so they never saw the light of day. Maybe one or at most two slipped by and became visible to the public, and I caught them just by looking at the dashboard and seeing them in the list of recent comments. So I recommend strongly, if you're concerned about comment spam, but you want to allow comments, use a Kismet. There are also some settings in the discussion item underneath the settings item that can be used to help control spam. For one thing, you can set the blog not to accept comments, or you can set that all comments are moderated and have to be reviewed by a moderator before they are allowed to be seen by the public. Or you can leave comments unmoderated and rely on the Kismet. There are also in that page two blacklists. One blacklist contains a list of words, which if any one of those words appears in the name, URL, contents, or hyperlink in a comment, will cause that comment to go into the moderation queue. The other blacklist, which in my case I have empty, will send the comment into the spam queue. I do not get a lot of comments, so it doesn't trouble me to have to moderate one or two or three or four spam comments a week. The other setting in there that can help keep down spam is a setting for how many hyperlinks you will allow in a comment. Mine is set that any comment that has more than two hyperlinks gets sent to the moderation queue. Every once in a while, this traps a legitimate comment when one of my visitors is, say, responding to a link I posted by posting some links that he or she thinks are relevant. So the worst is there might be a delay of most half a day or so before that comment gets visible to the public. Now, when I first started using a, uh, WordPress, when I was self-hosting out of my guest room, a kismet would not work for me. I never bothered to try to figure out why. Instead, I went to the WordPress plugins page and got a plugin that works similar to a CAPTCHA. Only instead of requiring someone to decipher an indecipherable picture, it required someone to type in the answer to a riddle. And that worked quite nicely until I moved my blog out to a hosting site and then could use a Kismet. I hope anyone who is considering blogging or setting up his or her own blog finds this useful, and I'll be back in a couple or three weeks with the next one, a podcast about 
tweaking the appearance of your blog. If you want to email me, you can email me at frank at pineviewfarm.net. Pineviewfarm is all one word. No spaces, no punctuation. And my website is www.pineviewfarm.net. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.